Maybe today's the day I break 80 Want the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading No OB and no bogeys I gotta keep it on the 80, it's the gold Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy So punch out the rough and tune to break 80 Break 80 Welcome to season two of the Break 80 podcast. To kick off the season, we have a big timer in the world of golf, and that is Todd Schuster, a.k.a. Tron Carter from No Laying Up. You may have seen him on YouTube with their Tour de Sauce series or, um, seen, or on Twitter or listened to the podcast. And the big news they just released is that they are changing sponsorships to Titleist, and they're going to be getting into the media side of it with the PGA Tour even more. So we decided just to give you uh, an entire episode of our interview with Tron Carter. Enjoy. Well, let's give a break, 80 Welcome to a guy who got so bored of golf, he switched to what side of the ball he hit from. He's a well-known travel connoisseur and co-founder to one of the most well-known golf media across the entire globe, which... He just so happened to start from scratch with a few of his close friends. Let's give a good welcome to uh, Mr. Tron Carter to the podcast. How are you, Tron? I'm good. I'm good. I'm freezing my butt off down here in Florida, but uh, evidently I'm talking to the wrong guys on that front. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. You know what, though? I will say this. Um, You know, that storm that came out, we had to beat that down here. And when I got here, I didn't really change much of my clothing going to be honest. I mean, stocking caps and, and you name it. So um, it was it was even cold for us. But yeah, uh, yeah, we always say uh, Florida cold. It's, you know, it's a different thing, man. We got the we got the humidity plus the cold. It's it's a different, different element down here. <laughs> 37 degrees here today, boys. I was chipping ice off the driveway in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tron, for someone that does this actually for a living, what's it feel like being other, um, on the other side of the table, if you will? Uh, it's always refreshing to not have to not have to prep for one and just just hop on with a beer and and, and kind of wing it. So I always like being on this this side of the microphone. Good deal. Well, I, I guess I just want to start us start us off with um, you know kind of the what you're you know most well known for. I mean, I've read this story before. Um, I guess, but in your own words. I think it'd be really beneficial for our listeners to give us a quick synopsis of the birth of no laying up. Yeah. So gosh, I think the, the, the key point of it all was that we didn't set out to start anything. We just, it was just a way for Solly and Randy and I to kind of keep in touch. Um, I met Solly. We went to Miami of Ohio, met him in college. We lived down the, the hall from each other and um, just kind of hit it off. And then, uh, we would watch golf together, play video games, watch golf, party. And uh, and then I met Randy a couple years later. We lived together junior and senior year. And uh, so the three of us kind of kept in touch after school. And uh, at one point, we started a Twitter account based on some friends saying, hey, like you guys are texting good stuff about golf. It's it's funny. You guys should should do something with it. So we started a Twitter account. I didn't even know what Twitter was at the time. Uh, and then from there, it uh, you know people said, hey, this is funny. You should start a you should start a website. You should you should flesh this out more. So we started a website. We brought my brother Neil in. Uh, he was working out in San Francisco at the time. We figured, hey, he works in tech. You know, he probably knows how to start a website. So did that, and then uh, and then from there, uh, started a podcast. Uh, and I think we had the benefit of of golf tending to be like three to five years behind the rest of sports and the rest of society at large for the most part um where there just weren't a whole lot of golf podcasts and um like spencer hall i'm not sure if you're if you're familiar with him from uh, uh college football blog every day should be saturday and a couple other kind of nascent blogs on the internet that we were like oh like like why doesn't this exist for golf so essentially we kind of set out to do that we were all working for you know big corporations at the time randy was working for ernst and young 
Uh, Sally was working for KPMG. I was working for Ritz Carlton and Marriott. Neil started working for Google. And then we brought on DJ uh, once we all kind of took the plunge. Uh, I quit my job in 2018. DJ joined shortly thereafter. He was working for the PGA Tour, uh, you know, kind of heading up their social and video stuff. And um, so he joined to kind of start a, a video arm for us. And here we are, uh, got probably 10 years later now. And, uh, you know, I, I think if we would have set out to do what we did, we never would have accomplished it. Like the, everything's kind of an accident. We've worked really hard to make it happen, but at the end of the day, it's all, it's all kind of a happy accident. So. So going back to kind of the, the start of you meeting Randy and, and I think we've heard a couple of the stories about how Randy got his pseudo nickname and about yeah. your single bathroom door. Um, wondering yeah. is there's not much on your nickname out there. There's not much on Tron Carter. Uh, actually there's yeah. not much on, on Todd, I should say. There's a lot on Tron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, my brother even calls me TC at this point. My dad calls me TC. My mom and my and my wife call me call me Todd still. Uh, but yeah, Tron was just a college nickname. It's a it's a recurring character in the Chappelle show. And uh, really, when we started this, we didn't. I didn't want my boss to know that I was doing this on the side. <laughs> so <laughs> we all kind of went with, you know, pseudonyms or kind of alter egos. And um, and it was it was mainly just so so my bosses didn't know I was doing this. You know, like like I was working on the night shift at at, at the Ritz in Buckhead uh, in Atlanta for about a year and a half when we started it. And so you know, I would do this from like. I would think about it or, you know, write a little bit from like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. or 3 a.m. to 5 a.m., kind of when there was nobody in the lobby. And, um, yeah, so Tron just was kind of a convenient name to to kind of go with. And then, uh, and then yeah, by the time it was it was kind of time to change it, it was too late. Everybody knew me as Tron. And, and uh, you know, that, that ship had already sailed a little bit. Well, I got to have ask. to watch some Chappelle's. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, Mike and I are teachers, and one of the things that we do is, uh, you know, obviously we put some kids in some group work. And, and one of the things I always tell the kids, you know, when you're in group work, you don't really always get to pick, you know, who you get to be with. Because in real life, you don't get to actually pick who you work with all the time. And knowing that you get to, um, you're kind of the, the exception to that rule. What's it like to work with some of your best friends and, and family with your brother? Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me, gosh, um, if you would have told me even you know, five, like I would say, I guess I've been doing this full time now, five years. Uh, but if you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be working with my brother, uh, I would have said you were crazy. <laughs> we were, we were both on, you know, different tracks. Uh, he was in technology. I was in hotels and, uh, and, and, and then really, if, you know, 20 years ago, if you would have said that, I would have, I would have said you were really, really crazy. Cause we would fight all the time and all that. So, uh, super cool to work with my brother. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, three of my best friends. And then now we've got Cody and Casey and Ben, you know, on with us as well. And they're, they've, they've become close friends as well. So um, yeah, it's it certainly, I think to a certain extent, it makes it, it makes it easier. I think to a certain extent, it also makes it harder because you're, you know, you're kind of, there's that push pull there a little bit of, of, you know, you've got a friendship to protect. You've got to, you got to try to, you know, keep things, um, you know, direct and focused, but also like, you know, you got to worry about feelings and egos and you knew each other before the business started as well. So, um, but I would say that's definitely a positive, you know, I think having that empathy and having that, that, uh, you know, kind of foundation before the business started really, really lends itself to making long-term decisions and, and looking out for each other. Was there, um, was there an aha moment in that, kind of that timeline when you said, wow, we, we really made it. We can make that jump from our, our career jobs into this. Was it a sponsorship or was it a, a follower number? Or... Yeah, it was probably a couple different things. I think or kind of in it's in like one time period. Um, trying to think we had done Callaway came on board pretty early on. They were, they were an early sponsor. They were our first sponsor and then BMW brought us out to a few things and, and that was, that was cool. But I think the Callaway thing was kind of what, what allowed Solly to like, Solly was moving back from Amsterdam. He was working for KPMG over there. Um, he was, he was getting ready to move back and kind of wondering, Hey, should I go back to Chicago and try to make partner or should I 
you know, uh, move home into my parents' basement and do no laying up. Right? And then, <laughs> so, um, you know, so he, he ultimately chose the latter for, for at least a few months until he moved down here to uh, Ponte Vedra, Jacksonville area. But, um, but I, I think, I think the Callaway thing really gave us the, the foundation to kind of have the confidence to, you know, quit our jobs and, and, you know, at least make a go of it. Like the name of the business was no laying up. And, and I think, you know, sticking with our, our day jobs would have been laying up. Right. So um, that was a big moment. And I think when, when Rory came on the podcast the first time, um, you know, he, he comes on, he's great to us. He comes on once or twice a year, every year, same with Justin, uh, Jordan typically comes on as well. And it's, it was one of those things where when Rory came on and said, said what he said, he was like, Hey, like, I, I love listening to you guys. It's been, you know, it's been cool to, to hear people talk about golf like this. That was really validating both internally and externally, I think. So that really gave us the kind of the, the momentum, both financially, but also, you know, from a confidence basis moving forward. I think that was in 20, probably mid 2017. Now, now this year with your picks and everything, all the all the money, you're probably uh, looking at pal- palatial palaces with all the weekly picks. And- <laughs> you know what? I can't bet here in Florida. I wish, uh, I, yeah, I wish I was I was actually making more money on those picks. <laughs> Everybody else seems to be making money on those, but I, I've actually had a couple of people stop me in like parking lots and be like, "TC, like appreciate the picks, man. I was trailing them all year." <laughs> I picked Cam at the British Open. I picked Horschel at the Memorial. Or, you know, so <laughs> that's always cool to hear. Well, you know, one of the things you're 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 in far as far as I know, one of the things you're most well for is is the you know content that you guys put out, and not only just the podcast, but other things. And one of the things that that I've felt that um, I really enjoy the most, I think, out of everything is is the tourist sauce and you just wrapped up a season. And as a viewer, I got to say, it's one of my favorite pieces. And what was your biggest takeaway filming in Scandinavia? Like, what was the thing like, Hey, this is, you know, different or whatever, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I think that was, um, it was definitely a curveball for the group. Like we were planning to go to Northwest England. We were going to go to like start in like Liverpool and do all that stuff, Burkdale and Lytham and Hoylake and all that. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, man, like in, I guess we had done three, three domestic seasons in a row. We'd done uh, North Carolina and then we'd done uh, Michigan and Oregon. And it was just kind of like, all right, let's do something different. Let's do something. Let's throw a curveball at people. And I think initially planning it, it was really, really tough to like, I thought it was going to be tougher to plan than it was. It's a really short season, but it's, it's super helpful to have, those long, long days, as you guys know, up in Minnesota, like you're pretty far north, like, you know, the days are long and the weather's great. Um, so that was actually, you know, it was easier to plan than I thought. And Scandinavians are very, very timely, very organized, very like direct communication. So, um, you know, I, I, like it was actually easier to plan than, than like a domestic season even. Um, and then I think just, just the quality of the golf as well um the golf was awesome like it was it was diverse it, you know we played parkland courses we played links courses we played you know neighborhood courses we played resort courses played kind of the whole gamut and um like kind of you know like the quality of the golf but also like how how affordable the golf is relative to the u.s i mean you know we're playing the top five courses in the country and it's 700 bucks a year 800 bucks a year to join and, and <laughs> and play as much golf as you want. You can play almost 24 hours a day in the summer. And it's, um, you know, it just kind of puts it in perspective of like the, some of the things that we get wrong here in the States. So, um, but yeah, and then I would say also just, just like, I, I thought the conditioning was going to be a little bit rougher than it was just like, we were there late July, early August. So, you know, it had enough time in the summer, but was still thinking, all right, this is a tough place to grow grass a lot of rocky soil, um, long winters and turf conditions were awesome. So, um, yeah, Scandinavia, like hotbed golf destination. Who knew (laughs) our uh, regular listeners are going to be happy to know that Tron is on my side in the argument that, uh, 
American golf is fucking overly expensive and ridiculous. Oh. And it's just ridiculous sometimes for what you pay for and what you get compared to other places. Oh, that's an understatement. Yeah. And it's only getting worse too. I mean, the last, you know, two or three years with everybody playing, it's, it's insane. Like, you know, I mean, down here in Florida courses that, you know, you wouldn't want to go out and play nine at like after work with like a six pack of beers are charging over a hundred bucks to play. You know, it's just, it's insane. So. Tim, how's your wallet doing after your Florida swing? <laughs> you know, I try to, I actually work valet uh, as a side job up in, up in the twin cities to help pay for all the golf trips that I do. So just, <laughs> just I'll be back there new year's Eve stacking as much cash as I can for, for Arizona. Uh, I love it. Uh, I used to valet. Yeah. I, 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 I used to, I'm a big, big proponent of ballet. It's, uh, uh, I, I made more money than, than I ever expected during high school and college ballet party. Yep. So, if you've seen, yep. if you would have, if you've ever driven with Tim, like I have multiple times in a vehicle at high rates of speed and stuff, you would be like, holy shit, this guy should never touch anybody else's car. <laughs> you can't park them that fast. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they don't go a hundred in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> uh curious on the the tourist sauce uh, obviously you've done some domestic you've done some overseas any any insight or or maybe a nudge or a nod or a wink as to where you might be going next because wisconsin certainly yeah. has a lot of great courses minnesota certainly does too um we've talked about doing those i think it's probably probably down the line um, we'd like to get there. I think that like, there's so many, I'd like to get to Western Canada, um, do kind of like the Banff to Vancouver, you know, all through there. The problem right now that we're running into is like all these places are really nice Ju July, August. Right. And, and that's kind of when golf season's in full swing and we want to take family vacations <laughs> and like, we're trying to like balance, you know, family and everything. So we're trying to get creative on, where can we go in April? Where, where can we go? Like, like next year is really complicated too. Cause we've got uh Ryder cup and Solheim cup, both like back-to-back -back weeks in September plus Walker cup. Um, so September is kind of shot and, you know, we're just kind of trying to figure out like kind of how to piece the, the, the schedule together. Cause really from March or like February or March through August, like we're pro golf all the time. And we're kind of, it's tough to kind of squeeze the tourist stuff, stuff in because it's typically a two or three week trip. Um, so I think we'll probably okay. probably go somewhere in the Southern hemisphere next year. Um, I'm sensing Hawaii right now. I'm Argentina, Argentina, the baby, the jockey club, <laughs> the jockey club. Argentina <laughs> you know, yeah. Sick. It's like, I don't know. I'm like demented. I put together itineraries <laughs> for this stuff all the time. So I have one for South Africa. I have one for, exclusively new zealand i have one for going back to australia i've got one for south america um the problem with the south american one would be like it's a lot of it's a lot of like planes trains and automobiles um because like the golf is pretty spread out and there's not really like there's not like a melbourne like a hot spot right like you could you could spend some time in in buenos aires and then like go over to santiago and down to patagonia but you still gotta like you know it's some puddle jumpers and stuff involved. I think a dream destination is, is Japan. Um, but like, that's going to be, that's going to be like years of planning um, yeah. just to do that. Right. And kind of need, like need the right person, need the right Sherpa over there to kind of, kind of help, help line things up. Kind of need a fixer. Um, I'd love to go back to Korea and do it too. I think like we got a taste of that. We just put out a video today on, on our Korea trip. Um, and the golf over there is really, really different. Um, but they, yeah, like same thing with like Vietnam over there as well. A ton of, ton of good golf going up in Vietnam right now. South Africa is one that Sally really wants to do. Um, and actually the guys are on their Neil, Neil, Sally and DJ are on their way to Hawaii right now. Um, they're going over for uh century and, um, I think they're going to, they're going to film like this year, we're going to do a lot more film rooms as well. So they're filming, uh they're they're doing a film room on the Kapalua on the plantation course uh with a couple of well-known pros so you'll see that one here here oh, in the next next couple of weeks and then i think they're going over to, to lanai to play some like little backyard course over there and then they're playing one other one 
while they're over there. So that'll be a big focus for us. And I think kind of trying to figure out like what the, like Taurus sauce is like seven or eight or nine episodes. And it's like these two or three week massive trips and it takes months to edit. And then we've got strapped on the other end, but like we kind of need something in the middle there. Right. So trying to figure out, Hey, if we want to take a four day trip or a five day trip and go to, you know, go to Colorado or go to Nebraska or go to Mexico or, or Hawaii, like, you know, how can we kind of, you know, fill that gap. So that, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out right now is like, you know, how one or two or three of us can go on these smaller trips that don't involve seven or eight of us going and, mm-hmm. you know, picking up and kind of the entire operation pausing at the same time. So Almost hopefully the there's enough like, hints in there yeah. on, on, on future destinations. Match. But yeah. I mean, there's like, there's probably two or three more seasons we could do just in like Scotland alone. I mean, it's kind of like when you look at the map, it's, I think that's kind of one of like the like gratifying parts, but also like a little bit terrifying as well as like, there's so many places you want to go and you want to like plan it all out. But then like, and you want to have the, like you want to do it right away because you don't want to take it for granted that like hey this this, this probably isn't going to last forever but at the same time like you got to be patient you gotta like you, you can't try to bite it all off at once you know matches against other podcasts come 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 to our backyard at uh <laughs> tim and i are deadly at Absolutely. shamrock at shamrock golf club it's like playing on concrete you you and Mike could have a putt off to get up there. We could have a putt off. We're like kindred spirits because I have been a pencil uh, or or a claw grip, depending on what you want to do, putter for for years. Every single year, I try to go back to conventional grip, and every year it lasts like one round, and I go right back to the claw because it's the best. I am, I'm sold, man. It. Uh... That round in Sweden at uh, Fausterbo, I saw the light. I have not. I don't think I've hit a single putt. The only, I, I think, the only thing I struggle with a little bit is distance control on long, on like long ones, putts outside of like thirty feet. Or if I'm putting from off the green, I'll sometimes go back to like just regular grip. Um, but yeah, it's just totally taking my right hand out of it because my right hand was totally taking over, you know, the swing, and it's like. You know, it's just eradicated that. It's awesome. Keeping I feel like putts, a new person. Yeah, keeping putts online, especially like the shorter distance, <laughs> so knew? much better with the claw. So yeah. like you can't wave it right. You know, you can't fan it yeah. right all the time. It's so much better. But I'm see, I'm yeah. my problem is I'm six five, so okay. I feel like I always want to go back to trying to putt normal grip because I feel like with the claw, my posture is so hideous because I have to bend over even more. You know, but I always go back. I don't know how long of a putter do you use. I just have a standard 30. Well, I do have a counterbalance. I have an Odyssey counterbalance at old one that I don't use anymore, but I just use a standard 35 inch here right now. Okay. I have a 38 inch. It's Odyssey. funny because Randy got a, um, he was using for a while. He was using like a 37 or 38 inch. It was like an arm lock putter, but he was just using it as a standard putter. Yeah. yeah I've, I've, I've kind of, I mean, he's even taller than me. What is he, six, eight, seven, yeah. six, eight? Six eight. He's six yeah. eight. Yeah. I talked to him at Hazeltine once up here, and he was way taller than me. But yeah, I've I've looked at those in stores and thought about just putting normal with them. It's like fuck. I don't know. It's so it's so heavy though too. Like they get yeah. heavy as shit when you get down the uh, grip like that. But I guess they're coming out with, I think, uh, uh, Super Strokes coming out with like a a pistol or like a, a a claw grip just for like really like made for the claw. So we'll maybe see. it's because of you. Maybe it's because of tourist sauce that it, it's going to be so popular. It's going to catch on. Hey, well, one more thing with that. You, uh, I got a couple of brothers myself and like, we're pretty competitive. When you take on, on Neil, is that kind of like, uh, do you kind of dig a little deeper? Is it like, Oh, hell yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, shit going back to, uh, what was that? California. We, we, we had the match at Pacific Grove uh where he you know he he pulled one like 150 yards left <laughs> over the street out of bounds i think he hit a house um you know so that one and then like it's funny like i'm always like i'm, I'm digging deep but i also want to see him play well right like i want to i want to i like I, I want his best stuff and i want to see him play well because he's always been like he's a far better athlete than i am I and mean, he he's like he played college football he's 
like he didn't play varsity basketball for three years. And then the coach like approached him uh, in senior year of high school and was like, Hey, like we need like a three and D guy. Like, will you come back out and play basketball? And he's like, I haven't played in like three or four years. And within like a month, he's like cracked the starting lineup on a good team. <laughs> he's like, he's just a natural athlete. And so it's, I think with golf, it's one of those things where he's just very, like if we get him figured out, like from a course management and like totally owning his swing and controlling his spin, uh, especially off the tee, like he's, he's going to be deadly. Like he could be like a plus three or a plus four. I mean, it's just wild, like, but it's just mental and he's just got to realize like how good he could be. So uh, I think we're getting there. Um, I think this, you know, this season was a, a good step for him in the right direction. Uh, but man, I felt like I gave it, I gave it away to him at, uh, at uh, Barca back. I, you know, like the fair, not to make excuses, but the fairways were like a little bit shaggier. And so those first few holes, I was pulling everything. Cause like my, my, the toe was closing over on me and I just didn't adjust. And then like, like the greens looked great, but they were a little slow too. And I just, I was struggling on the slow greens. So couple of just inexplicable errors and and yeah that one's still gnawing at me pretty good so uh was was neil banished to strapped then is that is that his punishment or how did those two end up getting their no, getting their 500 uh, and sent on the way <laughs> i don't know i don't know how strapped initially happened i can't remember i can't remember what the first one was um uh ames i believe Oh, it was Iowa. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I think it was I'm kind actually, of like. I'm actually, I worked at Coldwater as well. Okay. I, yep, okay. so the Randall nice. family, where you guys were, those were my college yeah. footsteps. So I'm like, wow, this so really they, resonates. And that's really when I started watching you guys. Yeah, so that was like, I don't, like it was, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, we're going to all these like world-class, you know, like crazy destinations. And sometimes the coolest shit is like in your own backyard right or in somebody else's own you know backyard or places that you least expect them so i think that's kind of you know some of the some of the magic there um and it's funny like like people think in real life that like oh my gosh solly and tc are like the c-suite guys i'm like like neil went to an ivy league school and worked at google for like you know like seven or eight years like he's the fucking c-suite man like <laughs> i went to, i went to a state school and like work the night shift at Marriott you know <laughs> so um yeah so I think it's you know there's definitely like like some of that's kind of a bit but um but I think the relationship between Neil and Randy is like really it's really cool it's probably the most unique amongst the group um so I love watching those I I you know I think they're they're trying to figure out what's next for it I think they're going to keep doing them but they just you know it's kind of figuring out all right is the like what's the through line is it the budget is it the you know, is it going somewhere and playing three rounds of golf? Is it the camaraderie between those two? Is it the people they meet along the way? I'm like, obviously it's all those things, but, um, but I think, you know, figuring out kind of how to, how to make that like mature and grow with them. Um, you know, because Neil's like, Hey, I just got married. Randy's turning 40 this year. He's like, I don't want to fucking sleep in a, in a, you know, <laughs> in a camper van or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, hey, I got a base. Guys. I have a basement bed right here. He can, they can do a strapped in Minneapolis. They can yeah, play I've, Keller I've, 30 bucks. A I've, Keller. Had, uh, I've had Mike sleeping on some interesting, interesting locations, some $80 hotel rooms. And... Our, uh, our golf trips. You're a hotel guy, Tron. Tim should never be in charge of picking fucking hotels. They are. <laughs> it is like a third world country. We go places. <laughs> what what's your go-to like what do you like i mean are you are you seeking out like the shittiest no-tell motel oh, yeah. or are you going no, I'm, like I'm days up, in or i'm bringing up hotels tonight and i'm just finding i'm swinging for the the cheapest one in the in a reasonable neighborhood um that usually has coffee in the morning it's yeah. amazing that we walked all 50 let's see three holes at sand valley we, we played all every hole in that golf course or that property in one day after sleeping at the world's worst Motel 6 in Wisconsin Rapids the night before, it was the worst of the worst. <laughs> well, we we did know, it anyway. Toronto's gonna like, ask I feel like sometimes that, that lends itself to, to the most unique and memorable experiences, though, right? Absolutely. There you go, you guys. You guys talk about it all the time. That's, that's memories. 
Um, we didn't Tyler, die. We didn't die. You uh, you have played a few courses in our neck of the woods. Um, you know, to be more specific, Northland. Um, I think you brought up Braemar. Um, you recently played one that's not in our state, but it's only about four and a half hour drive, Landman, um, from the Twin Cities. What is your thoughts on some of the Midwest uh, golf up in our neck of the woods? Yeah. Oh, you guys are. I'm, I'm jealous. It's uh, it's awesome. It's you guys are really really lucky up there. Um, just the Twin Cities alone. I mean, with with like I haven't played a few of these, but like I, I played Braemar a couple of years ago. Um, but between Interlock and and Minicata and um, like Keller looks awesome. Um, Midland Hills looks awesome. You guys mentioned Golden Valley earlier. Um, you know, obviously the stuff up on the lake. Uh, you know, and then I mean, shit. Even like the the uh, what are the ones up up in Brainerd? There, you got some cool yeah. stuff. And then, yeah, and then like over, you know, there. God, there's all sorts of like weird uh, Jim Ang stuff over in the Dakotas. And then I like I think the biggest revelation for me over the last three years, I guess, since COVID was was the state of Nebraska. Um, you know, I went to lucky enough to take a trip to like sand hills a few years back and but which, which was awesome but like i i've been back since to other places in the state and that i liked just as much like wild horse landman uh dismal river um you know awari dunes like i haven't been to uh, cap rock yet but like there's just so much cool shit in nebraska that's like you know it's just great golf country and like the people are are even better like like i could sit in that clubhouse at landman and just oh, drink beers sure. oh, yeah. <laughs> and like I, I don't even need to go play golf like i could just sit there and drink beers and talk to those guys it's awesome so, so um we played landman and uh when did we go guys right before they opened august we played it have you and you've been all over the world have you ever seen anything like that in terms of like green complexes and just the size and scale of it. No, it was like, um, I'm trying to think of a comp. Um, God, it's like if, you know, Cruden Bay in Scotland and um, some of the greens at Old Mac or, you know, some stuff that you'd like, it's, it's like, it's funny. Like, cause I saw it when they were building it and then going back and seeing it and talking to, to Rob along the way, like, I was expecting to be blown away by the size and scale, which I think I was expecting that so much. I think what really, really like hit home for me was some of the nuance and some of the stuff that he did that was like really, really at grade or like there's, there's a couple of greens on the, on the front nine there that are like just really different, like stuff that you would see like McKenzie do like stuff that you'd see it. Like we saw it at Michigan at the, at the Ann Arbor course or at Crystal Downs or, you know, like a, at Kingsley um, with uh, Mike DeVries doing that stuff. Or you'd see it out at Claremont in the Bay area, like stuff that's just, I feel like McKenzie did like these boomerang greens and this really just weird shit that like nobody else really tries. And so I think that's the cool thing about Rob is like, he does some stuff like that, or he does some, some stuff like that's very cult like the, like from, you know, like, I mean, Mackenzie and Colt, like kind of Sitwell park, all that stuff is like some of the big, bold stuff is what Rob's known for. But I think the more and more he gets a chance to do like that nuanced stuff, I'm really, really excited for that. Cause I think some of the coolest stuff on that golf course is some of the most subtle stuff. And, um, and then, yeah. And then you've got like, like that stretch, I don't know, like, like the, the whole numbers escape me. I think it's like, nine 10 and 11 or 10 11 12 the that like back corner there after the little par three um that like you don't even think is there and then you go that back corner is like sick <laughs> it, like you know that that like punch bowl green and then driving kind of you know along that ridge on that par five uh there's just like it's just like cocaine down the stretch i mean it's like straight red bull man it's it's nuts so um yeah and like you know and it's just crazy like the that that redan hole then the sitwell green and then you know just a ball buster par five finisher um i think that course is going to be really really interesting in different wins too like 
you know, the, the, the first time I went out there when they were building it, there was like a four club wind out of the opposite direction that they don't normally get. And I was like, this is, I was like, Rob, this is going to be impossible. Like, I don't think I ever want to play this and then going and playing it. And it was like no wind at all. And it was out of the prevailing, you know, direction. It was so pleasant and playable, but I'd love to go back three or four days in a row and get different wins every day. And just, you know, it's, it's like playing a different golf course. Yeah, different different pins too, and we were pulling you. By yeah. the way, pulling for you to break eighty. We were we oh. were pulling you. You're almost there. You needed to make that putt on eighteen. Oh yeah. So I I uh, I missed my flight that morning. Um, I just like I I, I like I don't think I missed a flight in like four years. Uh, I I I woke up at like I had a six o'clock flight out of Jacks to I think to Chicago. And I just straight up, like I was pulling it. I, I set my alarm, my wife, even like I packed early. I never pack early. My wife asked me, she was like, what time's your flight? I was like, Oh, it's six. She's like, what time are you leaving for the airport? I was like, I don't know, probably like five, you know, five fifteen or so. And she like, not like neither of us batted an eye. And in my head, I thought my flight was at seven, I think. So I'm pulling into the airport in the parking at like five fifty eight, And I get a call on my phone from the gate agent and you know, it was, it was a New York number. And I was like, hello. She's like, Mr. Schuster, are you, you know, are you coming? I was like, yeah, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. I'm like, <laughs> I have to check my golf bag and I'll be the gate. She's like, it's a six o'clock flight. I'm like, shit. So I, so I ended up getting on a Delta flight and getting there like 10 minutes earlier than I, than, than I initially would have anyway. But it was just like this whole, it was just a totally rushed morning. And then, you know, two flights and then drive, you know, another hour and a half from Omaha up there. And by that point I was just like, I was in such a scattered state of mind. And then uh, we hadn't decided if Neil was going to play or if I was going to play and, you know, and then like all the equipment stuff and trying to, trying to figure out the gimbals and all that for Neil, it was, it was kind of a hectic day. So, (laughs) All things considered. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's so wide off the tee though. Like you don't really, like I, I, I like I kind of had a case of the lefts, which was interesting and weird and strange, but um, like really like there's no, I mean, I, I flared that drive on number one, like fit like 40 yards. Right. And I was still in the fairway, you know? So, and then like, I was just blown away too at how the, how good a shape the place was in for just having opened this year. I mean, they did such a great job with the growing. Yeah, give it a couple of years for the grass to mature, and it's going to be unreal. Yeah, well, yeah, I think 150 bucks—that's actually a, a great price point for a golf course like that. When you're looking at the rest of the Midwestern prices, like what what's Whistling up to now? Five hundred dollars, something like that. Oh. I think it was yeah, four whistling. four forty at, at peak this season. Yeah, well, Tim and I played in May when it or was it April? I don't know. It was windy as shit and just torture there's four and a half hours of torture for whatever we paid yeah four and a half hours i would think i mean shit, when more, I've been there, I it's know. been it's been six you know <laughs> it's like it's like sawgrass down here in florida like i think i think they're charging i think their their peak season rates this year are like six six hundred and it's 840 and it takes 840 really eight they had a tea time up i was looking to go in february have family in ponte verde area 840 and then Sea Island wanted thirteen hundred dollars a room to stay, and you have yeah. to stay to play. So two nights, it was yeah. yeah quickly becoming a two grand trip for two rounds of golf. That's insane. You could play the old course, Carnoustie, and North Berwick for like probably cheaper than a peak rate at Sawgrass. I mean, that's nearly I a down payment say... to a moderately priced car, too. Yeah. Yeah, I always say like like you know, I mean, shit, Pebbles. What you gotta say two nights, and it's like thousand bucks or twelve hundred bucks a night, and then the tea time is six or seven hundred bucks. It's like three grand for the tea time, basically. And I always say like I would rather go play Pacific Grove for like uh, like a hundred and sixty times for the same price as going yeah. and going yeah. and playing Pebble <laughs> once, yeah, for sure. you know. So obviously a, a busy year for you, traveling, playing new courses. Do any besides Landman, uh, very much stick out to you. Anything that, that was noteworthy for either its architecture or something that you found as a great deal. Um, 
maybe one they're looking forward to to getting revenge on? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think this year where I didn't I didn't really, I didn't play as much golf this year as I as I did the last couple of years. I think that was just due to like things being back going crazy with pro golf and all the live stuff and all that. But um, I would say Visby really blew me away. Like, I mean, the guys give me a bunch of shit for that where, you know, I say it's a top five course and I'd rather play that than Sand Hills or Cypress, but like, it's, it's up there. It's really, really good. Um, I think where else I played, uh, you know what a great, great value is Corica park out in uh, Alameda out in Oakland, California. Um, they've got, you know, the South course is good, but they've got a, this North course that, they're they're done with nine holes. I think it's like it's tied up in litigation right now. It sounds like the the operator and the city are suing each other. But the nine holes that they've completed on that, it felt like it felt like Sweetens. I mean, it was awesome. Um, so that place really really cool. Um, I'm trying to think, I played Claremont out there as well. That place is awesome. Um, got to play the Valley Club with uh, Randy and Poosh out in out in Santa Barbara that was really cool um and then played LACC again that will that'll be awesome uh awesome U.S. Open next year as well so um trying to think where else and like then got back to the mines uh probably not crazy far from you guys um over in Michigan over in Grand Rapids I think Grand Rapids is probably the best best deal in America as far as you know affordable interest in golf between the mines pilgrims run um diamond springs and then you got like two or three courses over in the lake as well that are awesome and stoughton bray is not far far away either um i was gonna say do you guys have any more golf questions because i gotta i just i had to go a little bit of trap trap drop ask <laughs> to before we get one I just got one. Yeah, I, yeah, mine were mine were. Please release more uh, crash course podcasts because yeah. I I'm driving around all the time and there hasn't been anything new on any new courses on there in ages. Yeah, we got to figure out crash course. Um, you know, like I think film rooms kind of taken on what we wanted crash course to be from a video perspective. Where I think the the missing through line there was like showing all 18 holes of the course because that that actually makes it easier to film where you have something that's kind of like a Hey, we're going to show you all 18 holes of the course, and then you can make the the video into whatever else you want it to be. But that's the bare minimum that you have to meet, like the threshold that you have to meet. So, but we got to figure out what that what that podcast looks like because I think there there still is a place for it, you know. Especially if like it's just hard to not, you know, like it's hard to film golf courses, especially enjoying them. Like it's hard to just go go play places and film at the same time. Um, and then actually one other place I really enjoyed this year was uh, um, we were over in Scotland in April and played uh, on the front end. I played New Zealand golf club in London, which was really, really cool. Um, old like Tom Simpson design. And then going up and playing the other courses up at St. Andrews playing the um, I've, ne- I've actually never played the castle course, but playing the Jubilee, the new, and the Eden course, the front nine on the Eden is awesome. Uh, the, the Jubilee, the front nine on that is awesome. And then uh, the new course is just like really hard and a proper test. So, but like those, like that's what I love about Scotland. You can go there and, you know, like go play Panmure, or go play Ely or London links or, you know, any number of places. And like, I think everybody gets too wrapped up in the bucket list courses like the old course and you know royal aberdeen and dornick and 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 you know carnoustie and and troon and all those and like the the second third even fourth tier courses in scotland will knock your socks off and and they make you appreciate the top tier courses that much more so i feel like that's a mistake that people make when they plan kind of their scotland or ireland trips is like all they want to do is play heavyweight courses and it's like you know, it just kind of washes over you when you don't have the variety and, you know, kind of the, the texture there. Did you get on the Himalayas ever at the old course? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, yeah. I went out there a couple of times this year. We were staying at the old course hotel this year, which was nice. Like from a, 
a uh, convenience standpoint. Normally we've stayed at the dorms uh, over there. So that's a little bit longer walk from the dorms, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, from the old course hotel is nice. And um, yeah, that it's just like madness out there. I mean, there's always, it's just kids and, you know, the ladies putting out there and all that. It's, it's a cool scene. When I was there, the ladies had it on lockdown. They were in league mode and there was nobody getting on the Himalayas. Yeah. Oh, that was, so that was the thing. I think when, when we were filming for the season we did like 2018, uh, they had, I think we were there on a day when they had it closed and the guy like DJ and Randy stood there with the guy who had to tell people that it was closed. So all these people were walking up with their kids. Oh yeah, course is closed just now. Uh, there's ladies comp day today. <laughs> like, like all these people just sauntered away with their little kids, you know, head in hand, all bummed out. Well, any other golf related things? I was just going to say what, uh, or ask, I guess, what do you think the state of professional golf is going to be this upcoming year, especially now that the live guys are going to play in the majors, apparently. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's going to be a whole lot different than this year. Um, you know, obviously we'll have another year under our belts with, you know, kind of a lot of the defections happened kind of between us open and British open or British open and, and, you know, end of the season there. Um, I don't think there's, you know, other than maybe Joaquin and Cam, uh, and Joaquin's probably going to slip out of, I mean, I should, I saw the other day cams like already down to, you know, outside the top 10 almost like he's falling like a rock, I think. Um, so, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think it's going to like the guys that matter, like, cam, I think like, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see cam win it, win an LACC. Um, I think he's got a chip on his shoulder. I think he's going to, he's going to be coming for, for scalps. Um, but otherwise, I just don't I don't see there being that many up and coming talents on live. So I think it's just going to be more of the status quo of we've got a divided golf ecosystem and hopefully it continues to push the PGA Tour to make more changes and, and to kind of, you know, keep moving forward with the changes that they've already announced. But I think in the near term, it doesn't look a whole lot different than it did this year. Um I think the big changes will come. I think I think it'll look markedly different in 2024 uh, on both sides. I think at that point it'll be uh, it'll be kind of sink or swim for live in 24. Um, they'll want to see some return on you know two or three years of investment, and then the tour will really have a lot of the changes that, that they've announced uh, here over the last six to eight months. They'll have those changes kind of in place and, and ready to rock. Yeah, fair enough. I agree. Um, yeah, pro golf is you guys kind of kind of hit the jackpot. You know, with the separations, actually, probably brought you more <laughs> things to talk about. Yeah. Oh God, man. It's like it. You know, it's kind of a double edged sword. I like. It's definitely been good for business. Um, you know, li- you know, downloads are up. People are people are engaged. I like. Shit, I I, I like go and visit my parents. And we and we go out to dinner, and people are like, oh, like. What do you think about this live thing? I'm like, oh my god, that's the last yeah. thing I want to talk about. Yeah. But, but like, it's you know, it's kind of um, I don't know if it's good for golf, but it's you know, it's kind of the any buzz is good buzz, I guess, to a certain extent. And then you know, until it's not right. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, it's like you know, kind of it's funny. Like when we started doing this five or six years ago, and it was like, you know, hey, I like. Rory's swing. I think Matt Kuchar stinks. And now it's like, well, what you don't understand about the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia is they have to have these, <laughs> this level of returns. And, you know, and it's like, God, like, what are we doing? Like, like how did yeah. this happen? Have you been to a live event? I have not. I was going to go up for Boston. Uh, I, you know, I was trying to get to one this year, actually. I was going to go up for Boston. Um, it just ended up being a bad day family wise as far as. Uh, my son had a bunch of birthday parties that weekend and then um, I was going to try to get down to Miami as well, but I just, I don't know. I just like, I hate Miami and it was, you know, flights were expensive and it just didn't, didn't make it happen. I didn't want to drive down. Um, I think it will be really interesting. Like it's kind of weird that it seems like they're kind of missing the boat with the whole, like, like they have, like they're trying to do 14 events 
and only five of them are going to be international. And it seems like that's their whole selling point is, you know, international golf and like the PGA tour is forsaken the rest of the world, which I don't think is necessarily even incorrect. You know, <laughs> like there needs to be more golf in Australia or in Asia or, you know, even in Europe. And it's like, there's just, but it's like they're, they're going on in on like Tulsa and Tucson, Arizona. And yeah, it's just a weird deal. I can't really figure out, like, it seems like it's more about Greg Norman's grudges than it is about, you know, any sort of cohesive plan. So Tim and I went down to the Chicago event just for podcast yeah. content. It is what would be a good word, Tim? Bizarre. It's like a, it's like a surface. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> Tim loved it, of course. It the area, the main area at Rich Harvest, when you before you actually got to the course, was like being at a at a fucking county fair. They had like <laughs> they had baseball throw. You know who could throw the fastest with the with the speed with the speed on it. They had uh, what else? Did they have Tim. There was a clown walking Football around throw. on stilts. They had a guy on stilts <laughs> walking around. It was like being at a county fair. Music pumping everywhere. God. They did do a good job with the uh, the Cam Smith haircut station. So if you had long hair, they would cut a mullet, India. <laughs> and then they donate a thousand bucks. I thought that was really top notch of Liv to do. Paul, Paulina's uh, dress skirt in the gift shop was also a decent. <laughs> but, uh... I guess like like out of everything this year, I still can't get over the, like the logos and the team names. Yeah, so bad. I mean, so yeah, bad. bad. It's like it's really bad. It's like. It's like one of my seventh graders, like I gave my seventh graders said, Hey, yeah. draw me a logo or make me a logo on your, you know, outdated Macintosh software. And they'll make some shitty intestine looking S thingy for the stingers. And there were two of them, the stinger <laughs> and, uh, oh, there was, uh, was it stinger and, and punch or, or one of the other ones. And I don't know, I was talking to one of the guys about it the other day and he's like, don't worry. Like we're going to be rebranded this year. You know, and Cam's taking everything over. I'm like, all right, cool. Like, it, like, there's nowhere to go but up. Like, you know, so. yeah, the logos are hideous. How yeah. weird was Rich Harvest Farms? Like, just as a course. Uh, see, I've I've played it a couple times. Um, my buddy is the golf coach at Northern Illinois now. He used to be here at okay. the Culver's, so I got went down. That's their home course. I played it with him a few times. It's not a hmm. That's a good way to. I don't know. It's not a great golf course in terms of fans necessarily because it's kind of spread out. Yeah, the routing's um, difficult. To the routing's put people difficult. in places. Um, but you know, the funny thing is, is when I played it, I thought it was really hard. Like, you know, we played. I think the the course rating from the backs is like almost maxed out. It's difficult. I remember it being yeah. hard as hell. But then those guys go out there and just light it up. But um, I don't know. It's it's okay. It's it, it's. I think it's a good course for. Um. Like they do a lot of big amateur events, so you know Palmer Cup and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna course. say, like, I think I remember them having the NCAA's out there, and I just remember yeah. them driving it over that hedge next to the yeah. street. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is that. outrageous. They have one. They have one tee box where they have like they used to have like a mat. I think they don't use it anymore. But um, <laughs> it's not a great. I think part of the live issue to me is a lot of their events are, are on courses that aren't great, like TV or yeah. I guess YouTube looking courses. They're not really great to watch visually. So I don't know. They do have, they no, I agree. Music. There's music everywhere out there though. They got music going in the middle of the golf course. It's crazy. I enjoyed the Doral one. Like I thought, you know, I thought like the team stuff, there's something there with the team stuff. Um, you know, especially if they can gin up, like they, they've got all the villains right like the pga tour doesn't have any more villains left yeah. um so but like you know I, I like i think that i think the international stuff is one component i think the the like the lack of architecturally significant courses is another thing that they're just whiffing on and then i do think they've done a good job of like within the markets that they've tried to go to of like chicago new york boston like if you think about it like the biggest markets in the United States don't have golf tournaments every year. Like there's not a single golf tournament in the Pacific Northwest. There's not a single PGA tour event every year in, in Chicago, you know, other than the BMW when it stops there, there's nothing in Boston anymore. Um, there's, there's, you know, New York once a year, uh, if that now, and, and then DC doesn't really have one, you know, either. So it's kind of, 
they filled that in a little bit. And then same thing with Miami. But I think at the end of the day, though, it's like when you looked at like what they did, um, like once football started, nobody gave a shit about anything. Right. And it was just, you know, and it was very much like, all right, like this was a fun diversion. And now, you know, especially when they went overseas, like when they went to Singapore or Thailand or Jeddah, like it was like, oh, my gosh, like there's there's even less people watching this. There's 8000 people watching it instead of 18000. And they're trying to buy buy time on Fox like it's a infomercial or something. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. My take was um, when we were there, I mean, you're there, you're watching pro golf. They're all, they're, they're good, but they need better play. They're going to long-term, they're going to have to have better players. Like they got some top, some heavy hitters up top. And then they got a bunch of the over the hill guys, you know, but it was just kind of like, Oh, uh, here comes three more average guys. I'm keen to see like how, you know, how they kind of replenish the coffers after these guys cycle out after, three years or five years or however long their, their agreements are for, um, you know, and like if they go the route of plucking these college kids out and then the problem is like, there's no context to tell if these college kids are good or not. So, you know, if Chikara went and won a PGA tour event and then jumped to live, you'd know that like, he's a rising star, but like basically look at like Joaquin Neiman, he was a number one amateur in the world. And, you know, nobody really gave a shit about him until he until he won on the PGA Tour a couple times. And there's some context to back up, like, oh, he's you know he's a star, he's good. With Liv, it's like it's a 48 person tournament. You don't know if in 24 to 30 of the guys suck, and it's like you don't know if if you know the guy winning it is is winning it because he's good or if he's winning it because everybody else is just mediocre. You know. Yeah, I mean, my take has always been if Peter Uline is like one of your top five players consistently out there he tried for years to be on the pga tour and stuff he yeah. couldn't make it and now he's all of a sudden winning or one of your better players that doesn't say a lot for the depth of the field yeah or like you know even just the setups right of like i don't know there's just it just seems like there's just so it's just inherently an exhibition right it just feels unserious so it'll be interesting to see how these guys play in the majors um you know the ones that are qualified i think the mate i think the masters made a a good decision to like, you know, I feel like they would have diminished their own field to exclude the guys that had qualified under the qualifications that were set forth. Now you can certainly weed them out here moving forward, but uh, I think the really interesting thing is going to be, I don't think they're going to invite these guys to the champions dinner. So I don't think DJ and Phil and Schwartzel and those guys are, are, are going to the champions dinner. So. Interesting. Well, I hate to be the. I, I, I we want to respect your time, Tron, but we got to just do a quick little trap draw segment here. Oh, of course. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you are a Florida resident, and I need to know a little bit more about these uh, wild boars or pigs, whatever they are, because I saw a couple on my drive to Tim. What was that place we played? El Campeon. El Campeon in Winter Park. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, you guys ago. played uh, Mission Inn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that place is sick. It was great. Yeah, I was trying. was trying to break Charlie Woods. He shot sixty eight there. I didn't. I didn't quite do it. But, but uh, yeah, yeah, these we wild shot sixty eight in the last three holes. Yeah, he can. He can, he can move it better than you. <laughs> yes, he can. Yes, he can. What is the deal? Like they're just on, on the side of the road, like digging into the stuff. I was like, I mean, I'm gonna that's guess a, no natural predators. How how in the heck do you get rid of them? That's a different part of Florida, man. It's uh, you know, we're up here in Northeast Florida. I live out at the beach. We're on an island, so I don't really see any of these wild boars. We've got some gators. Uh, we got sharks, obviously, um, but not you know. We got big manatees up here, but not really any any wild boars up here. There's there's bears. There's there's big black bears in the Seminole National Forest, um, and then we're kind of near the Okefenokee Swamp up here as well. But the the boars are more down central Florida, and then west of us kind of up towards you know the georgia state line as well so uh i know when they were building i think stream song black uh they they were having big problems with the boars like when they were growing in the greens the boars would just come in and and fight with each other and just destroy the greens with their hooves so um yeah i mean dude florida is like you want to talk about wildlife in florida i mean that like down in the everglades 
my wife's from Naples and like people release pythons down there. Like there's just all sorts of like crazy invasive shit in Florida. That's shouldn't be here. And it would terrify you to even think about it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Burmese, Burmese pythons as they're called, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to talk. We did not see any of those today on the (laughs) course. Fortunately, No, we did not. Well, I just thought I wanted to take, um, and then we got to bring up your red hot Jaguars and the fact that, um, they are making some, you know, some gains and some strides this year once they got rid of Urban. And uh, where do you think they end up this year? Do you got your Super Bowl tickets for them yet or not? Uh, I don't have my Super Bowl tickets. We've got season tickets. Um, we we actually – we had like a package this year and we signed up for season tickets for next year, uh, kind of before they went on this run, which I'm glad my wife had the foresight to do that. But – uh, no, I mean, Doug Peterson's been awesome, man. He's been a revelation. I, I think it's really dawning on people. Like, like the defense has always been, I don't know, the defense, like we're probably missing. We definitely need another corner. We just lost Smoot last week on the D-line. Um, got a whole new crop of linebackers in there. I'm still not sold on the kid we drafted at, at, at the rush end or rush linebacker, Trayvon Walker, uh, with the first pick. Um but overall, like, you know, it's just – it's a pretty well, well-constructed well defense. It's only going to get better. And then the offense, we got Ridley next year. Um, That's right. Quarterback's you know, been Christian, the best in, best in the league probably the last month. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, the, the London game, he looked like shit. He looked kind of timid. And then I guess Marvin Jones and Christian Kirk kind of got in his face a little bit in the locker room afterwards and said, like, yo, man, you need to be more assertive and you need to kind of take control and own this shit. And he didn't throw a pick for like four or five games after that. So the Ravens game was awesome. Uh, you kind of feel the energy change around town with that one. Um, so they're definitely, you know, I would say they're probably a year ahead of schedule um, as far as, you know, the timeline. Uh, ETN's been awesome. Um you know, receiving core is still like seeing Evan Ingram do this or Zay Jones play well. I think we're still probably missing a, a couple pieces in the wide receivers. And then we just lost our, you know, one of our starting tackles as well. So, um, you know, we'll see. It's kind of taped together right now. I, I, I think the Titans are dog shit, though. So, they're, and, they're, uh, and they have no idea right now. They're starting Dobbs this week. They're, exactly. They're, they're super reeling at what to do here. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, they're down a couple pass rushers. Yeah. It's God. I, I love seeing their, their GM get fired. Uh, you know, the day or two after AJ Brown lit them up. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, but, that's all uh, coming down to, that's all coming down to next week. These games don't even matter this week. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the Jags do this week. It's kind of a, uh, it'll be an interesting deal with, you know, do you, do you rest your guys and feel like, you know, guys can get complacent or get, get a little rusty or do you, do you keep going with it and, and, you know, risk injuries? We'll see. I need ETN to win this fantasy uh, football (laughs) matchup this week. So they better not sit guys for more than part of it is like, like these rosters are so like, there's just not that much depth. There's just not that many guys on a 53 man roster. Right. Like, you, you know, you got, you got your special teams guys, you got your specialists, but, really for the most part, like you can't really sit guys all that much. You can sit some skill position guys, but for the most part, you gotta, you gotta play your guys, you know? Vikes, Jags, Super Bowl. There we go. My son, Freddie's a big, big Vikes fan. It's uh, he's a big, uh, he loves the gritty, man. Yeah. Loves the, the gritty. gritty. That's everybody, every kid. So my kids, We'll go sharpen their pencils, doing you know, just on the way to the pencil yeah. sharpener. It's just like it's, it's madness up in Minnesota because of this Jefferson. I keep telling him too that like you know, like we're Bengals fans as well, so we need to give Jamar Chase some love too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the revelation of the the injured leg now that they're starting to incorporate, or they're pretending to be injured and then they do it. That's the best. One of these times he's going to actually fucking hurt himself though, because you drag your toe. He's going to somehow catch his foot on the turf. And he's gonna. That's that's the that's the Vikings fan of me. We're always looking for for the uh, something wrong to happen. But are you guys buying or selling the the uh, Vikings? You, I'm buying. Real? I'm buying. I'm not buying probably Super Bowl or buying even a playoff win. I'm buying long term though. I think O'Connell's good, and I yeah. think they need to fix the defense. The defense is a sieve. They're just 
Old. Yeah, old. Well, yeah, old. They're, you can, like, I don't even know why a team, like, I'm sure the Packers this week will try to run because that's what they do. If I was if I was going against the Vikes, I would do what that one year when the Patriots came to town when the Vikes had the number one run defense in the league and they didn't even attempt to run. They ran like two running plays and Brady just threw like 55 times. That's what I would do because you can throw all over us. We're so bad in the secondary. It's ridiculous. Which is but, crazy for how many, you know, how many picks they, they spent on corners in the, in yes. the, uh, uh, in the Zimmer days and all of that. But yeah, like I, I you know what? It, it kind of reminds me of that year that the Falcons uh, beat him. On the Gary Anderson, he does, yeah, bullshit. That was the last time I might have yeah. cried. That was I was in like tenth grade. Yeah. I had a tear in my eye. <laughs> that was that was like that was like my one Falcons. You know, growing up in Atlanta, that, that was like my one Falcons like good memory. That was ninety eight when they went to the Super Bowl. That was my one one yeah. positive Falcons memory from growing up. Otherwise, dirty, it was like the dirty. Yeah, dirty, it was yeah. like you know. After that, it was like all right, yeah, we have Mike Vick, and then he gets arrested for dog fighting. <laughs> you, know, you can't blame Gary Anderson though. You can't blame no. Gary. It's like the Vikes sat on the ball the whole second half. They played prevent defense and just sat on it and then fucked themselves. Well, we gotta we gotta let Tron get going here. We we really appreciate it, Tron. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, thanks for taking time to chat with us. Keep killing it. No laying up. Uh, look forward to have you. What's in store for you guys? And um, come back to Minnesota sometime soon. Yeah, for real. Let's play some golf up there. Hell yeah. yeah. You get a contact with us, we'll uh, we'll we'll uh, get something together. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, John. Take care, bud. Maybe today's the day I brigade thee. What the ball to draw, but it keeps on fading. No OB and no bogeys. I gotta keep it on the 80 is the gold G. Would you hit it on one? Straight up the gut, baby. Now I got a wedge on my short game cravings. Little bit of edge on the sport makes gravy. So punch out the rough and tune to break 80. And he's break 80. Very, very good break 80. Look at this shot. It was amazing. Break 80. Yeah.